0: In this episode of the Ziegler show, I asked listeners, what are the daily small deposits in your life that give you the most payoff? With most of my guests on the show, I do a habits episode, as most of you know, and with them, I want to hear about their daily habits and routines for success. And I often start by asking them which ones are priority for them, the most valued. Well, this was in essence, the same question, but put to listeners. Some of the topics shared uh, the favorite daily deposits covered such things as spiritual practices, exercise, healthy foods, hugs, alone time, refocusing and reframing, positive input, sleep, and more. Well, Tom Ziegler and I talk through them and share some of our own focal points. One of mine being a striving for lightheartedness. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts that address the root issues of human development and lifestyle design. Here in The Ziegler Show, we focus on work and our professional performance. I have honest conversations with people who built wildly successful businesses out of a desire to help others and get their business story, how they got into the business and how they succeeded with it. I also host weekly Q&A sessions with my co-host, Tom Ziegler, where we address listener comments to core questions of performance. In the Motive Podcast, I get to the core of all personal progress, our motives, our reasons for doing anything. I share the methodology to clarify your motives so you can effectively and efficiently make progress toward what you truly want. I bring on high achievers and celebrities, influencers, and leaders to uncover what motivated them. What were their reasons from beginning to now? The good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful. In the True Life podcast, my co-host, functional medicine, medical doctor, Randy James, and I irreverently banter back and forth while debunking the cultural viewpoints on health and wellness that are killing our country and reveal the psychology and methodology of taking control of and responsibility for your health and lead you to being as fully functioning as possible so you can go about doing all you desire to do. You can find them all at KevinMiller.co. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely.
1: You need to break the goal in pieces. That's step number eight if you're going to reach the goal. After I left the Cooper Clinic and they said to me, here's what you got to do. Well, I looked at it and I'd planned on losing the weight in 10 months. I figured that's how long it's going to take me to write the book. I was doing them simultaneously. I figured it'd take me 10 months to write the book. I needed to lose 37 pounds. And uh, so I divided that and I said, well, all I got to do is lose three and seven tenths pounds a month. Now, that's no big deal. That's less than a pound a week. I knew, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I could do it. I was so confident of it, I didn't even bother to get started for 28 days. (laughs) See, that's one of the major problems in life. Here's your quota. It's for six months. Hey, that's no big deal. It's just February the 23rd, man. I got plenty of time. And the next thing you know, it's March 22nd. And then it's April 15th. Oh, it's too late now. But next year, I guarantee you, you got to get in high gear. I looked at it again and discovered that in order to lose the 37 pounds, all I had to do was lose one and nine tenths ounces a day on average every day for 10 months. That book, see you at the top, has 384 pages in it. Wrote it in 10 months. That means on an average I wrote one and one-fourth pages a day, every day for 10 months. Let me tell you how to raise positive kids in a negative world. Let me tell you how to build a magnificent relationship with your mate. Let me tell you how to move to the top of the corporate ladder. Let me tell you how to become a world-class professional salesperson or counselor or educator or whatever it is that you want to be. It is not the monumental task you do one week or one month. It is those daily things that you do every day, the commitment every day. Today, I'm going to take this step or that step. I'm going to make this kind of progress every day. It's the little things that make it every day.
0: Well, for a long time now, when I do the habits episodes with guests on, the, uh, from the show, I started off asking them not just going through the Ziggler wheel of life, what do you do in each area, but start off asking, you know, if you, if, if the day is pressed, you got limited time, what are the key habits that you're most going to hold on to the other ones? May, some may drop, but you're going to, you know, th- these are the, this is the one, two, three, whatever. That are going to happen. I've never asked you that, Tom.
2: So, (laughs) what's it going to be? The perfect start, even if it's short. Yeah. How you start your day. Uh, When you know the day is pressed, even if you have to miss a little bit of sleep, get up early and make sure that you get your priorities taken care of. Planning the day, a little bit of quiet time, a little bit of reflection. Even if all you have is 15 minutes uh, make it count. And then you just build it from there as time allows. Yep. Well, and
0: there's other people we're going to read through some that, you know, cite that, you know, what is interesting, Tom, I came into the early morning and, you know, my kind of my ritual of the morning and, and then it was somewhere along here with COVID and things were changing, whatever. And I actually just gave my permission, myself permission to not always do it for a little while as well, which is interesting to me. You know, I, I'm so, I think we all are, we tend to look at, you know, what is that perfect day, the perfect habits, whatever. And every once in a while I'll find that I, I, I'm, I appreciate him, but I'm kind of tired of them. and I'll give myself a little bit of a break though. I say that I still can't get myself to allow myself to, to just wake up at the last minute and then hit the ground running. I still, whatever it is, I want to be up before anybody else is. And just, I may not go through my exact little rituals, but I just, I need some, I want to walk downstairs and nobody's there, uh, which in our house, well, we've only got all the bedrooms are upstairs except for one downstairs, but I want, I do want that. And I look back and go, man, how did I go so long? Just waking up at the last minute, rushing, you know, to meet the kids and rushing out the door. And oh, that, that does not, that does not do well for my soul. Well, in, what were you say?
2: I was writing on this this morning. Yeah. Uh, not about, not about the habit, but the distraction. Yeah. So I'll just read it. Yeah. Uh, it's real short. It's easy. It's easy to check out the news. It's easy to get on social media and see what's up. It's easy to plug into the gossip and the next conspiracy. These distractions give us a false sense of satisfaction because now we know and we get to have opinions. Hmm. These distractions also keep you from your purpose. The addiction to distraction has replaced the desire for holy satisfaction. Hmm. And holy, you could actually do it capital H or W-H. Yeah, that's rich. What is holy satisfaction? To know the creator and to become the person you were created to become. Ask yourself this question. Would many of the challenges of the world be solved if enough of us woke up every day with two simple goals invest time today learning growing and developing myself into the person i was meant to be and number two serving and solving the problems for the people who i encounter during the day hmm. don't be distracted choose to win choose to win <laughs> you've been writing some deep stuff lately there brother yeah right. i really like the line uh, The addiction to distraction has replaced the desire for holy satisfaction. Um, And that's really what we're talking about, because when we look at days that get away from us, do they get away from us because we overbooked or did they get away from us because we got distracted?
0: Hey, man, you're singing a a tune that I am um, focused on. And I'm not immune to either. So I'm not going to sit here and say, ah, oh, this is what the world's doing, man. It's, it's tempting for me as well. So easy. Sometimes I think I look for distractions, uh, just even, for, even for something away from something that I really enjoy. And so what has, you know, if we talked to people like Cal Newport and digital minimalism and, and these things and looking at that quick dopamine hit. And I've noticed that even with the kids that if I don't pay attention even a movie, even something up on a screen is not as quick as the phone. And I can find them. Here we are with a family movie, and they're on their phone. And it's not that they don't care about the movie, but they got this phone, and, you know, and they're doing whatever. I, one of the kids was doing it last night. I said, hey, dude, is this not interesting enough for you? And, and we talk about it. It's an open conversation. He said, oh, said, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. And he put it down, and he put it away for the rest of the, rest of the night. But man, we're, we're so quick for that shallow, quick hit that we're less prone to be patient enough for the longer but deeper experience. And yeah, you're right. It's a cultural addiction and uh, I'm grateful. I'm aware of it, but I want people to hear I'm not immune to it. I have to guard against it because I get it. That's why my, it was after my talk, my last interview with Michael Hyatt on his book, I believe it was focus. And he talked about getting rid of all the social media on his phone and uh, and I did so now the actually the only one that I still have that you could call it social is Strava, and it's for you know those of you who are out riding, running, boating, whatever, and you can track your progress, you know, track your your uh, your exercise. And then share it with people. And so people can come along. And I've got a group of people that I do that with. So I'll I'll hop on there and see where so-and-so rode. A lot of times it's in my area. You go, man, I don't know that trail. Where is that? And so we'll communicate. That's the only one I've got. And I only have a few people on there. So I check the weather a lot. Ask me what the weather. I know what the weather. (laughs) It's only what I got. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I try to be that one guy who looks like a psychopath in the coffee line who's not looking at his phone feel so self-conscious. Uh, well, you know, asking this question, what are the, the daily small habits in your life that give you the most payoff? Because that's ultimately what that question is. And you just answered it, Tom. The number one thing cited if we categorize them, and, and really there was a lot of differing things, and we're going to go through some of them, but was from a spiritual nature. Uh, Marty Winger, he says, Pur- purposely cl- connecting with team members at work, but he says, evening prayer with my family. Uh, Jennifer Meisel, morning walk with God. It sets the tone for the whole day. Uh, Tamara, designated, fenced off, protected prayer time. Uh, Gerald says, my influences, whether daily or weekly, are are God, my daughter, and my best friend. Uh, Nicole, morning routine, my Bible reading, prayer, devotional, sometimes journaling, some kind of personal development, then working out. If I don't do these, I feel off the rest of the day. And all that happens after I get my husband off to work and before my kids get up. It's super important or it doesn't happen. I am not a morning person, but this influences my day so much. It's worth getting up for, you know, I look at that, that term of being a morning person and, you know, do we think of ourselves as "Ah, I'm an exercise person or I'm not an exercise person? Hopefully everybody realizes that regardless you need to exercise or "Ah, I'm a healthy food person, or I'm not a healthy food person, you know, regardless, healthy food will benefit you. And the morning thing, I don't know that I'm a morning person. Anyway, is anybody just, a? if we go back before electricity, probably everybody was a morning person. You know, it gets light, you get up and when it gets dark, you go to bed. It's only since then. And I mean, for the most part, you know, why am I a morning person now? Well, just, it's more convenient. If I'm not, everybody else is up because of school, because of work. And so I don't know that I uphold myself as I'm a morning person, but I get up in the morning early because it's what enables me. Like so many people here benefit. It's what enables me to, as you said, Tom, to get my
2: day off on a healthy start. For me, it's, I call it the head start. Um, you know, it's its just that whole idea of how can I have a little bit of head start against the world? Yeah. And and it's because the world can be pretty overwhelming. Yeah. So we need every advantage that we can. Um, and I was not the morning person in my younger days. I've grown into it. No. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've studied a little bit is um, Ben Franklin, and he wrote the book on 13 virtues. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he made it a daily practice before he would go to sleep to evaluate his day based on the 13 virtues that he wanted to live his life by. And... There's 13 because there's four weeks times 13 is 52 weeks. So it made it simple, right? So Mm -hmm. there was one virtue that he would really focus on for the four weeks. And his goal was to not screw that virtue up, you know, to be perfect in that virtue for the four weeks. And then he would evaluate how well he did to the standard on the other 12 as well. Probably took him five minutes before bed. But the thing that blew me away is he started doing that when he was 20. Mm. And it just makes me think, uh, did, did people at that time seem to get so much accomplished at a young age because they knew their life was probably 35 or 45 years. Yeah. Or because they had so much responsibility as a child, participating in the well-being of the family because of work and all those things or were these type of habits just common because they were necessary to survive in a tough climate where there wasn't much margin yeah you know what i mean and so i'm i'm kind of leaning towards the second two Right. You had to pitch in and it was rough out there. So you better get these habits going now. I had late last
0: year, Deborah Smith Pegay on the show and title of her book escapes me. But during it, she talked about that, about the aspect of kids these days and they're never bored. And somebody asked her, you know, what she did when she was bored. She said, bored. And she's I think she's uh, she's like 80. She's, she's, she's older. She's just bored. I was never bored as a kid. I was up at 5am milking cows and, you know, gathering the wheat for harvesting and whatever went along this long line. She never had the opportunity. And here we are today. And there's, we have to do so little to survive different than they did different than my, my parents, even when they were born, we have to do so little. And yeah, we have the privilege uh, to be bored, which they didn't experience at that point. You know, with, with the morning thing, I do want people to hear I me mean, that again, the point is having the time, having a moment to set things straight for your day. And so if your day doesn't start till 10, then get up at nine forty-five. you know, whatever it needs to be for you. But the point isn't, 5am or 3am or 9am. It's just time. What's what's that margin. So, you know, today I had a late night last night, later than the normal. And then this morning though, had an early kids were taken off early. And so man, I just, I set my alarm so that I could just have that buffer. And I've talked to people who said, man, if it's just three minutes to swing your legs off the edge of the bed and sit there. Come to consciousness, however long that takes you, and sit there and go, okay, who am I? Whose am I? What's going on? What do I want out of this day? What's important? Something to be grateful for. I mean, just a moment. And again, Tom, I'm, I'm amazed often in retrospect. I think we, a lot of us are at amazed at how much of my life I went through with, without doing that. Without, I mean, it was hours later, you know, so after I was kids and this, and I finally sit down at a desk and it's going, and it's what's going on, man, things have already gone on and now it's just survival mode. And so many people responded here and saying, it's just, I, I just having that little time in the morning, little time, or maybe longer time. And we, you know, it's plenty of people, I mean, uh, your dad, I had a couple hours of morning time, didn't he? Two to three hours
2: every day. Yeah.
0: You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this episode on our most valued daily habits, routines, and deposits. Next, Tom gets us talking about how we prepare for our morning and really the next day, the night before. A sentiment first revealed to me by my co-host on the True Life Podcast and Tom's and my doctor, Randy James. Here are some great products and services, then we'll get right back into it. And buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, it's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to airdoctorpr Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin.
2: You know, at our company, uh, we have Monday morning devotions, uh, and we have far more guests than we do have uh, team members come. And now we're doing it on Zoom and Jim Gardner is one of the guys who comes. And I know he comments on the timeline every now and then. Uh, but Jim made this comment. He said, you know, you prepare for your morning the night before. Yeah. And that really, really struck me. That's a that's a powerful concept. And so when you know, I mean, it's like you, I sit in Marvel at, you know, kind of the wise... Uh, unflappable, um, on a mission, focused people who seem no matter what's going on around them, they're making waves, right? They're getting the things done. They're, they've are they got their big rocks first focused. And I think one of the, you know, we marvel at, golly, there's, they do so much in the morning, they get up early, they exercise, they plan their day, they do devotion, they read, they listen, and they do all that before the rest of the world. But I think we forget that those very same people set that up the night before. Yeah. Right. They 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 think in their mind, this is what I'm gonna do tomorrow and we're gonna get that done. I'm gonna have to go to bed at nine or nine thirty or ten and they get that sleep. And, you know, maybe uh, the way we handle a day that gets out of control is by starting it off correctly the day before when we go to sleep. Hey, that's
0: so that's a that's a Dr. Randy James. Uh, that's our doc. That's his statement. We talk about it. I don't know what episode right I found in the true life podcast. And he talks about that to think of sleep is I am going I'm putting my head down to sleep for the night. This is not just Oh my gosh, I'm crashing exhausted at the end of the day. He says it's the beginning of the next day. And yeah, that has changed me. I had uh goodness, what what episode? Uh Donald Miller we've had back on the show. I think it may publish right after this this episode. This is eight sixty, it might be the next one, eight sixty one. And um and he talked about that as well that he, he talked about it in reference to having uh you know the, the glass of wine at night or the beer at night or whatever. And he said, hey, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But he says, I realized that I do my best writing early in the morning. And if I do that, I'm not as well prepared for it. So again, I'm preparing for my next day the night before. And it helps him dictate how he eats, drinks, sleeps, even you know, the stress, what are the thoughts we're going or that are in our mind, are we going to bed angry Are we going to bed anxious? Are we going to bed completely, you know, exhausted? Sometimes I don't like that. I don't want to be so, I don't want to go to bed totally at the end of my rope. Uh, I want... Some joy. And I actually look forward. Randy also, he got, he got me back into, uh, I didn't read fiction. You know, Zig talks about that. He never read fiction. Um, I didn't for a lot of years and Randy got me back into it and it's been interesting. I look forward to going to bed now. Sometimes I'll say, oh, you know, the family's now yeah, they're doing their thing or, you know, people going off the bed. I'm going to go to bed because I'm interested in what happens next in this really good book, uh, often by Charles Martin, which we've had on the show with good, good redemption in it. And I want to read that. So it's my special time. And I go to bed with, you know, interesting thoughts on, on, my, on, my, uh, on my mind. And man, uh, so yeah, I appreciate you bringing that out as well. You know, that's another thing in the morning, Christine here, Christina Apple. She says, of course my time with the Lord and the Bible is my greatest benefit. She says, I do an exercise though. Every uh, workout each morning, it's helped me lose some weight, lowered my blood pressure, improved balance, flexibility, and muscle tone. I didn't expect to like it, but I knew it was something I needed after it became a habit. I look forward to doing it each morning and I feel a lot better. Exercise is another thing that statistically, let's just look at the stats. Statistically, it tends to work out better for people to do it in the morning because, you, again, do it before the day happens. And so often, I know for myself, if I let the day happen. There's just so many reasons not to take the time. So it's just the best way to secure it for a lot of people. Again, but it doesn't make it the only or, or necessarily the best time. Now, there are some people, Robin Sharma talks about it and about the, you know, increasing the BDNF and uh, doing it in the morning helps prepare your brain to be at its best, you know, for the day. So there's another reason for the morning. However, with exercise, what's the most important thing? Just that you do some. This is like Randy's question, you know, Dr. James, what's the best exercise? And his answer is whatever one you'll do, Uh, whatever one you enjoy, find something and whatever one you will do. I have uh, a daughter back at home for a little while right now, and she habitually works out at about 4 p.m. I don't know why I I wouldn't do that, but she does it. And she works out every day, usually longer than I do. She has these long workouts up in the rec room. She has somebody she watches on a screen and goes through all her hit workouts and whatever. She's doing it at four o'clock. Man, she's feeling good. She's looking good. And it's at four o'clock. So again, you know, to take what works for you. I wrote recently, it was part of my book. I used to train with some guys and there was this one guy and he was known, he was one of our national champions, uh, back in the early nineties. And he was known for, he had, he had some, uh, decently high profile job at the university as well. And yet he was a national champion cyclist. And he would, a lot of times go out in the evening, in the dark, sometimes late at night, midnight and do his training rides in the dark. Sometimes he would do them on this old granny bike, not on his multi-thousand dollar thing. And it, we ultimately realize, you know what, as long as he trains and goes out and pedals hard, it's obviously working for him as weird as that is. Uh, so again, not to get caught, we can, you know, again, we want to look at what's going to statistically set us up for the best opportunity to do these things. But again, whatever you can make work, feel good about making it work. No matter what, it doesn't have to be the same time, Tom Ziegler or Kevin Miller or whoever does it. Uh, Jody Tootin here says morning hike, time in God's word, praise and worship, music and hugs, along with a daily pink drink that has balanced my blood sugar and hormones. I think it's a, some kind of a, of a supplement there. And, you know, Tom, I I do think about it so much as we talk about habits, we talk about routines. To me, I think the thing that resonates the most is just thinking of the daily deposits. We all know that. I mean, we got a lot of Ramsey listeners here and it's you know how 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 much can you make if it's a daily deposit in your savings account in your investment whatever and that exponential growth we understand it financially we don't tend to think about it as much for our own benefit but to think it's those little deposits we're back to your quote about what, what's the quote about
2: termites yeah dad's quote you know hurricanes and tornadoes when it comes to damaging houses, they get all the publicity. But termites actually do do more damage, and they take such little bitty bites. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've studied incrementalism, and Dad's secret to his success number number one was that, or the number one reason he gave credit to his success was character and integrity, and number two is persistent consistency. And so PC, that persistent consistency, all that really stands for is if it's valuable to do, you do it every day or as often as necessary. That's the consistency. And then here's the P—the persistent means you, you do a little extra, right? You, you stretch yourself just a little bit, a little bit more intense, a second longer, uh, a different type of exercise, whatever it is in whatever area of your life you can apply that to your career, to your relationships, to everything. Yeah. And it's amazing when you combine consistency with getting outside of what's, what feels normal. Uh, you know, there's there for a while, there was an exercise craze around muscle confusion Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a lot of benefit to doing something like that where you get outside of your routine, but you're just doing something a little bit different, a little bit extra. Yeah. Uh, that that gets you going. And so it's all of those little things um, that build up in the incrementalism that change your life. It's the idea of replacing a little bitty bad habit every day with a little bitty good habit. You know, if you can just do that once a week, at the end of the year, you've gotten rid of 52 bad habits and replaced them with 52 good habits. Yeah, I mean, everybody who looks at that goes, yeah, that's it. That's how you do it. Uh, simple,
0: easy. Well, in that aspect of yeah, I- incremental and, and deposits, you know, from a, think about it from an exercise, from a fitness standpoint, if you're wanting to gain muscle, lose weight, gain fitness, whatnot, if you are doing something every day, let's look at exercise 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. Well, you know, do the math. That's, that's three and a half hours a week. If you do a three and a half hour workout once a week, the benefit will be so negligible. And yet, if you just split that out and do 30 minutes every day, the benefit is significant. That's just, what is that? Math, physics, uh, but it doesn't sound, it's, it thinks about, you think about if I just do three and a half hours of exercise, that's what so-and-so said was good. I'll just do it on one day. It just does not work. It is the deposits uh, that work. I can't go for, how about this? If this, Would this work? six days ignoring my wife. One day she's got my attention. (laughs) Don't think that's going
2: to, I think there's a lot of guys who've tried that. (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't work.
0: It doesn't work very well. Yeah. But again, just the benefit of those daily deposits, I think exercise is one where the people who have done that for a long period of time are the ones that get the light of it the most because you see that, you know, incremental benefit. There's other things that we do that we just have faith in. We don't always see that my nutritional supplements. Sometimes I take those because I know that, you know, blood, I mean, look at my blood work and know that they're helping, but I don't always feel some great difference whether I'm taking them or not, but we know internally it's doing me, you know, a benefit. So I don't, I don't notice those as some, much. Some are more tangible, I guess you know, than others. But we got some other ones that were pulled out here. Derek Olson, he says, refocusing for him, the m- most beneficial thing, refocusing on the big picture. So the tiny bumps in the road don't derail me. I mean, that's a classic I, I know meditation still has baggage for people, but if we just say taking a moment to be present, to be aware, that to me is a paradigm shift of if I can every day, whether it's that first thing in the morning, whether it's lunchtime, it's a break, it's a whatever, but I just stop and go, okay, deep breath. What's going on? How am I? What am I worried about? Where's my mind at right now? That's a question. It doesn't seem so goofy to ask yourself, where's my mind at? How often do we not know? It's just going and going and thinking and doing whatever it's doing as it's on you know, autopilot and we're doing whatever we are in front of us and to stop and like Derek says, refocus on the big picture. I do that a lot, Tom. I get spun up about things. I'm not... Uh, I'm not an anxious person necessarily, but I do, I get spun up on things. I worry about things. I may even get excited about something and I'll, I'll feel like, oh, this has to happen now. It's important. This is good. It's got to happen now. And even there, oftentimes it's a good thing that I have a family I have to go back to, or I would just never leave my desk. And sometimes I see what time it is and you know what dinner's going to happen The kids. I just got to put it down. And I walk away, and I let it go. And uh, more and more, I'm, I'm, uh, I seldom even open my computer at home anymore. And my phone, as soon as it gets home, it plugs into the music. That's our music player at the house because I like to control the music. Uh, and so they're gone, and I'm just with. Well, thank goodness for that. Otherwise, I think I'd stay spun up. But that refocusing. How often do we need a paradigm shift? Probably about every sixty minutes. Yeah. Kent here. He says. I took the, recently took the anagram test and learned that I'm a nine. My alone time is so important to me. It gives me time to reflect and work out the day so I can be better tomorrow. Uh, To me, Tom, that's again, It's kind of like that morning, you know, whether you're a morning person or not, introvert, extrovert, whatever. So that alone time, it is very important to me. It's when I recharge and I am more of an introverted nature And so I like that my wife is not, she's significantly extroverted. So she's not necessarily looking forward to the alone time, but she also realizes she needs that alone time, her and God, her and her, she needs to do that. So again, regardless of, of, of what you need, but I am aware that with my nature, it is when I recharge. So I, I protect that. And again, I didn't used to.
2: You know, one of the lessons that I learned from Dad and how he structured his life um, is he knew his purpose. He he knew where his greatest impact could be, and his schedule reflected in that. And I've I've shared this before, but when somebody would when a, when a group would have him come and speak they would say, look, hey, you know what? We'll pick you up at the airport. We'll take you back to the hotel. You can get settled, change, come down. We'll take you to the fanciest restaurant in town. We'll get you back to the hotel. And then in the morning, we'll pick you up at seven. We wanna take you by our offices. We want you to meet our team. And then we'll get to the you know, the, the venue where you're gonna speak about 30 minutes before you go on and you'll you know, meet our team back there and then you'll rock it, right? And well-meaning, want to serve, want to treat dad with all of that. And he realized that that was going to defeat why they brought him in. Mm. And so they flipped the the script. So Lori Majors, when they booked the event, she would say, oh, this is so fantastic. Mr. Ziegler so excited about coming. I want to let you know what his schedule is going to look like. He's going to arrive to the airport and he's happy to take a cab or you can provide a car or you can even pick him up. If you pick him up, uh, make sure if, if a woman comes that it's at least two people, that's his policy. He'll go to the hotel uh, and check in and then he has a workout and it's about a 45 minute workout and he gets a shower. So he's gonna get to the hotel about six. Uh, so at 7.15, if you wanna meet him in the restaurant in the hotel, uh, he's gonna have a light dinner. And then at 8.15, he's gonna go back upstairs cause he's gotta prepare a little bit more and get to bed early. And then in the morning he prepares early in the morning, and then he'll be down uh, having breakfast from seven to seven thirty. If you want to join him, and then if you want to go from there over to the venue, he likes to get to the venue at least an hour early to make sure everything's set up and everything else. You see, he knew his purpose. Yeah. Right. The outside world doesn't know everything that's going on. That's good. And <laughs> Dad, I remember. Uh, there was a part of the time in his career where he would do these lunchtime uh, sessions. And the first 20 minutes of the session, he'd be eating with everybody. And then the last 20 minutes, he would stand up and talk. And he just smiled at me one day. And I said, what are you smiling at? And he says, he says, I just think it's funny that people will pay to watch me eat. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the deeper meaning behind that was, wait a second, my, my purpose, my greatest gift is sharing wisdom in a way that makes it easy for people to receive it and apply it. And so he was just kind of looking at what the world wants, but what he was made for and trying to get that thing. And so I think a lot of us, we haven't taken the time to really decide what we made for. And then how do we organize and structure our day to maximize that?
0: Well, I love the perspective, Tom, because we talk about purpose constantly and we're always talking it about it in these big terms, right? Of my calling, my overall purpose. But you said it there in a way that made me think, you know, what is what is my purpose right here, right now today? Well, my purpose right now at, at my my time, two o'clock in the afternoon, your time uh, is to it's Friday. I have a certain amount of work to finish so I can go home and then be present with my family for the weekend. They would really like me to walk in the door this evening with some joy in my heart and a smile on my face and some desire and room for them. They would like me to be up in the morning, Saturday morning, maybe make a great breakfast and have something, you know, fun for the family prepared. And what is my purpose to be a good dad? My wife would like me to share what's happening and to be interested in what she's doing. That's my purpose. And to that degree, do my kids care? Does my family care what my overall purpose is? I mean, they're appreciative of it. Of course, they like that daddy's doing good things and enjoys what he's doing, but and their world is, is there themselves at this point. And my purpose for them is, is pretty finite. I mean, they, they want me to be there for them. That's a great way of doing it. So how can I do that? I got to take care of myself to have be filled as some, so
2: many things are filled. So I can pour out part of the thinking behind the Um, the writing that I read at the beginning of the podcast was this. Uh, I started thinking about, you know, let's look at human history. It's really only in the last hundred years, maybe even more recent, where a lot of people have felt like that they have this burden or this responsibility to make a profound difference in the world just beyond their family and their village. I mean, think about it, going back in time the people who we hung out with were our neighbors, our family, and that might be all we see, you know, 200 years ago in a, in a little farm town or 500 years ago, you know, wherever you are in the world. And so our calling, our purpose was number two on that list, which is serving and solving problems for the people who I encounter during the day. And what happens is we get this, um, it's almost like a guilt complex. Like, wow, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing as much as Kevin Miller. I mean, he's got three podcasts and 17 kids and, <laughs> you know, he's. it's, he's a, he's it's a, a the cycle. older
0: I get, the more kids people attribute to me. It's it's really he's interesting. A, you know,
2: he's like a competitive cyclist and, and he works in a practice and he's got these big, I mean, how could I ever do that? Uh, but I, but I think the standard is, is, is you just go back to these two things: we learn, we grow, we develop into the person God created us to be, and then we we pre we serve the people God puts in front of us, right? And we can't do that unless we're present. Yeah. And so, Dad used to have the saying: he he said you know, this guy came to him and he said, Mr. Ziegler, I don't know what to do. He said, when I'm at work, I'm thinking about my family at home and when I'm at home, I'm thinking about my work. I'm exhausted. <laughs> and Ted said, of course, you're exhausted. You're always traveling, you know, because it's. <laughs> yeah. And 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 so I think yeah. we need to back off and understand that yeah. the opportunities for making the big impact come through the persistent consistency of impacting those who are in front of us right now. Yeah. Right. And it's okay to have big plans and to to be strategic and and to do that and to build things that, you know, they're, that are bigger than we are, that we've got to grow into. I'm not, I'm not saying anything against that, but Hey, let's don't play the, the, I got to do it because I won't amount to anything. If I don't game, that's not what we're talking about. It's, am I stepping into and becoming the person that God created me to become? Yeah. And can I do that a hundred percent if I'm not present with those people that God puts in front of me right then? Yeah.
0: Yes, I hear that. And I, I heard, I learned that lesson, Tom, the hard way, um, I have had some, especially on the business side of life, had some times where I was so focused on the big picture, so focused on the goal and the endeavor and the initiative in front of us that I did not, I was not present with the people right around me uh, and did not take care of them. And I, I reaped the negative benefits from that. I, I regret that now, but, uh, learn that lesson and it takes, it takes, it takes, conscious effort from me now. Cause I'm still of that nature. Uh, well, here's a few, few more, uh, here, Anthony, he says, I appreciated this. one. he says, again, looking back to the question, what are the daily small deposits in your life that give you the most payoff? And I appreciated him saying this. He says, it's connecting with others who have goals similar to mine. Now we've got the old Jim Rohn quote, You become the sum of the five people you hang around most. I think people get that idea. If you want to elevate your perspective and uh, opportunities, be around people who are going to uh, be of like-minded, elevate you to that point. Now, a lot of people these days, well, gosh, again, we're, you know, what, 10 months, 11 months, whatever, now into COVID. And a lot of people have... Uh, had to stay away from people. And now we've got all these online places. So we've got online masterminds. We've got online, you know, private groups. That is one way, but I wanted to pull out another one, Tom, because I've seen it happen. And you can call this an affinity group. So I live up here, as you know, in the mountains, uh, up in the Rocky mountains of Colorado. And I have gotten to be a part of a couple Facebook groups for mountain biking. And I do it for information. Uh, I just got a different type of bike, a fat tire bike for riding in the snow. I didn't know much about it. And you can go online, but I just, you know, this is a place where you get immediate responses and you can find, you know, if you need a certain part or something, you can do that. And now I use it a lot, just that people are checking on trails. Hey, how's the trail down there? Ah, it's covered in snow or it's mud or it's ice or it's clear. So you can do that and find immediately, you know, a trail that you're thinking about going that afternoon. But what I see, the biggest use of that group is people just connecting with each other. And so you got, you know, some guy who's working at his architecture table, you know, some uh, lady who's, you know, running uh, an IT department, Uh, you got a guy flipping burgers somewhere, whatever, and they're on there connecting about something that excites them. It may not be their work. It may not be their calling, but they're just excited about that. And I've just continued to learn to give that so much value that my excitement Uh, my family knows this. If if I go on, if I, my excitement, fulfilling my excitement for mountain biking, finding a new trail, going out and expending myself and experiencing someplace makes me back to that. What's my purpose. It makes me a better husband, makes me a better dad, makes me more inspired to sit down at my desk and write things of value and do shows like this. And it's, it's mountain biking. It, it, It doesn't, it's not serving anybody else in and of itself. It's me And I can feel guilty about it if I don't put it in context, but it it excites me, man. And I think if you've got something out there, a hobby, a joy, something that excites you and that's important, that makes you a happier person. I found myself with my wife sometimes going, Oh my gosh, will you just go do something that is fun? (laughs) Because you're being (laughs) grumpy. (laughs) Go do something fun for us. Do it for us, you know, and we can laugh about it a little bit now, but it's so realistic. We can get so caught up in our stuff that, and I see the people who are producing the most worthwhile things and who are the most fulfilled and are the people who you want to be around and they have things that they're just excited about. And it's not always some altruistic saving the world thing. It may be uh, talking with um, uh, Guy Kawasaki. You can't talk to him long before you'll end up talking about surfing. He started surfing at something like the age of 50 or later, and he loves surfing. And I think most of the day, no matter how good anything is or important or big, he's kind of thinking about when can he get out surfing? I know the last show I did with him, we scheduled it around the, the surfing conditions that he pays attention to. Uh, And it makes him just a wonderfully fun guy. So there you go.
2: So I have something for you. Uh, I'm working on the book. And one of the virtues that I talk about that a leader needs to have is to be the light. And so I did kind of a play on words. And I said this, I said, uh, you got to lighten the load. And so I wonder how much of our energy is derailed and robbed because of the things that are holding us down. Mm -hmm. And this could be a mindset or a belief about ourselves that's limiting. Uh, It could be a bad habit that that, that has us, you know, that we've got to let go of. But if our light's going to shine, right? If we're going to, you know, that means that that light has to be visible. It has to be at an altitude. A lighthouse is always, you know, it's 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 out in the bay on the highest uh, piece of land there yeah. is. So, you know, or or whatever that situation is. And so you for the light to be seen, it's got to be elevated. For our lights to be seen, we can't be weighted down by the weights of the world. And I think part of this, uh, as we look at you know what? What? What do I hang on to to make the day the most it can be? Is is maybe we know the things that hold us down, and we just give ourselves permission to to dump it, right? Yeah. And if it's a belief, or it's a self talk, or if it's a it's an obligation or responsibility that uh, we've put on ourselves that nobody else, ha- it's worth it to investigate it. Yeah, uh, I I know that there's a lot of lights that are dim because they think it's their responsibility to make other people happy. And so if you're one who's waking up every morning thinking, "Man, I got to I got to bring the show today because I got to make them happy." Then that's a responsibility that nobody can handle, you know, because happiness comes from within. You 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 become a happy person so that people want to be around you. Yeah. You, you don't do things Solely because it's your responsibility to make other people happy.
0: Tom, you've been eavesdropping on my life here. Uh, it, no, literally, this morning I met with four guys, uh, well, three guys. I'm one of the four. We meet every Friday, and we talked literally about this. You just, you just took the took the topic to hand right there that we hit on, and I, I divulged to them. I said, I've got to. One of the words that I, it's, I want to say it's my word for the year. It's kind of an ongoing one that I just do not have a tight enough relationship with is being lighthearted. Just, just calm down. I mean, you talk about that, that I do have, you know, a lot of kids I've got. I, I don't know. I don't even know how many people will have at the house tonight. Um, I, I, 10, 13, something like that. You know, for dinner, and yeah, I've got these shows, and you know, the shows that are doing good things and helping people, and it it, it can sound you know important. Of course, you know, next to somebody else, it, it's it's not near as big. But regardless, it can get so weighty, and I have to step back. And this is what I told the guys that I have this kind of a perspective that I'll reframe things in for myself. Of God, don't don't act like I'm doing the world a favor, like God's up there going. You know, I mean, again, not to, not to berate myself, but is God going up there and going, man, it's a good thing I got Kevin Miller because without him, man, these people are, they're toast. And now obviously he uses people. And, and I, I value that as well. I want to be used. I want to be worthy to be used. And I know that I do have an impact on my family. I mean, so to just take myself out of the equation and say, hey, they don't need me. God's in control. Well, obviously he uses me in my family. He has a purpose in my family. I, can, I, have, the, I have the free will, I believe, to hurt or help my family as well. So I'm not just being flippant with it, but also to step back and go, I am not God. i I'm not Superman. I'm not limitless. Uh, and yeah, it's just that. I, I, can I be, can I, can I chill out on what can get so grave in my life? And again, as I said before, Tom, sometimes I'll share things like this. And it's not that I sit around worrying with a- anxiety. Sometimes things just feel so valuable, important. And, oh, that's a great idea. I've got to do something with that now. And uh, step back, throttle back, Kevin, throttle back. It's okay. It's okay. And you just have some fun, uh, a little levity, a little lightheartedness. Uh, you, you're not just the, the world's not dependent on you.
2: That was my first lesson, really, in, in my experience with two chairs. So there I am uh, doing the two chairs, read, you know, Bob's a good friend. And the two chairs is real simple. You just set up two chairs, one for you, one for God. And you ask God three questions. God do you know what's going on? God, are you big enough to handle it? And then God, what's the plan? Yeah. And when you get to what's the plan, you're supposed to be quiet for like a whole minute or a whole five minutes or four minutes or what, you know, it's not a long time, but it's be still, listen. For me, that's a long time. 20 seconds is a long time. I can honestly say I've never made it five minutes uh, without having to to drag my brain, you know, my mind back in. Wait a second. We're listening here. Yeah. Um, and so after doing that every day for three weeks, I finally got the download from God. And and the first download was Tom, you're sitting in my chair. I like that. You know, it's like,
0: it reminds me of the old bumper sticker. God's my co-pilot. And finally a pastor said co-pilot. Really? How about, how about the main pilot? (laughs) that's right yeah yeah uh i yeah it's so it's such a powerful to change our paradigms when we talk about these most powerful habits you know one last thing here and i'll just sum it up i won't read through them i've got a whole list of people here that ultimately cited different positive inputs in their life. A lot of podcasts, and obviously there are people that listen to this podcast. So a lot of them talked about their uh, daily podcast intake, uh, you know, and and books and whatnot. We obviously had, you know, people reference uh, the Bible, but the daily positive input, I don't think we can put enough value on that. And again, just to to say it, don't get caught up in it has to be a a specific thing, a length of time or whatever. It's just, can you get some positive input every day? There are plenty of days, Tom, where I, mine is very brief because I'm, I'm producing my own stuff, but to get some positive input, if you're blessed enough to be with somebody, I get to be with Randy James four or five times a week. And I'm going to get positive input and camaraderie, you know, from him. I'm going to get it from my wife, get it from my kids, but to get it from an outside source, that book, whether it's, uh, you know, a moment, uh, a moment from a a podcast, a moment, a page, a page in a book. I mean, you talk about Zig Ziglar, You know, that's daunting to say that he read for so long and so many books, you know, every day, week, month, whatever. My gosh, again, think about the average person does not read. They do not get any input other than entertainment. And if we can take five minutes a day and take, Randy listens to some five minute podcast every day because that's about as far as it is from his house to the office, but five minutes and he gets this little, you know, little drop. I don't, a lot of times I'll, listen, I'll, I'll do nothing. I just, I just, I just want silence or, or I'll have a kid with me and we'll talk or whatnot. But again, just those inputs that don't get caught up at the daily deposit. If you can have five minutes a day of reading something positive, even back to the little, uh, you know, little scroll calendars, Tom, we still have one of those on our kitchen table, uh, our kitchen uh, counter. And it's, it's just something, it's a little inspiring, you know, quote to give you that it's better than nothing. It's not a lot, but it's better than nothing. And you've helped, uh, you know, continually bring me to this, Tom, just with your focus on habits and have such a catalyst for who you've been since I've known you, since the one person asked, we'll give, give will end with that. The story of you're up there on stage and somebody candidly says, Tom, what's the quickest, quickest way to success, fastest way to success.
2: Fastest way to success. Yeah. Yeah. The fastest way to success is to replace bad habits
0: with good habits. And that was and that was the candid response out of your mouth that then later on I remember it afterwards, you're saying, Man, this this just happened and I'm just kind of
2: stuck on it. And what was that, five, six years ago? It was uh just over five years ago. Yeah. I didn't know I said it. Yeah. Um, and Steve McKnight, who's a friend and a, and a mentor, and he's the one who brought me into that event in Australia. It was his event, and uh, he had me come in. Uh, it, when we came back to the break, he said, hey, everybody, did you hear what Tom said? Get out your pen and write this down. That's um, great. So, by the way, if you're ever hosting a speaker and you really want to stroke their ego, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you do when you bring them. So I'm like, what does that say? And so he says it, and I'm like, did I really say that? You know, and I'm too scared to go ask Steve, you know, did I really say that? Or did you just give me a great quote? (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) excellent.
2: Well, so, so I wrote that down and Googled it. Nobody else, you know, searched it. Nobody else had said it. And then I really, I put it against the litmus test. Um, You know, when we, when we talk about as, as we move forward in life and we try to grow, you can test anything by looking at the seven areas of life and say, hey, if I do that, will that make my thought life, my mental life better? If I do that, will it make my spiritual life better? If I do that, will it make my, and you can go around all seven. Uh, and of course, with that one, it was kind of a no brainer. What really, if I just got rid of the bad habits in each of the seven areas of my life, my life would improve. And then there's the thing called a vacuum. Our, our, we, we hate a vacuum. Uh, And so it's not good enough to get rid of the bad habit. You have to replace it with a good habit. Yeah. And so there's two things that we do as people. And that is, is we keep the old bad habits and we just try to layer enough good habits on top of it, hoping it won't affect us, but it always craters. uh, Because it's, it's like there's a hidden tar pit of bad habits in your life and eventually (laughs) you fall into it and then they dig you up 10,000 years and put you later and put you in a museum. Mm
0: -hmm. I guess
2: that's a bad example, but (laughs) that's, that's true.
0: That'll stick in people's mind. We'll leave you with that one. You can ponder a noodle on that
2: one.
0: Uh, well, Tom, man, I'm I'm grateful for you, uh, elevating ever more, always the power of the daily deposits, the daily habits, uh, to they've made me a better man. So, uh, thank you, brother. Thanks brother this episode will invariably have you thinking of your most beneficial daily habits and routines and the deposits that most benefit you and you may have gotten inspired with some new ones which is wonderful Coming up in episode 861, I bring you Donald Miller, my second guest to make a third appearance on The Ziggler Show. I've been a longtime fan of Donald's. I read everything he's written uh, from his early memoirs to now his business counsel. Well, Donald says, I believe everyone deserves access to a life changing business education. And in this show, we talk about his new platform, Business Made Simple, which he's pitting against any MBA. And as you'll hear in the show, it's interesting as I see him not as some guy who went after business, learned business and is teaching it. He went after his art, which was writing. He was a writer. And from that, learn to do it well, to get it out there, he needs to learn business. And so he comes at it with a different angle that, yes, really simplifies things. I think you're really going to want to hear this episode. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.